yourself here today and God right now we just join again with heaven one more time and just say you are so holy you are so worthy you deserve all glory all honor all power all praise and I pray today God that you would empower us by your spirit God that we would be a people of prayer we would be a people of power God that your Holy Ghost would just reside on the inside of us and we would not settle we would not fall into complacency we would not make excuses but we would run this race with new strength and new heart running after you and giving you all glory in Jesus name Somebody say, amen. I've said this before about prayer, but Jesus himself withdrew, the Bible says, and went to lonely places and prayed. If, if you look at the life of Jesus, every time he would go out and he would do a miracle and then he would get by himself and he would pray. He would go out and be with the disciples and then he would get by himself and then he would pray. Every time Jesus would separate himself and he lived. He lived a lifestyle of prayer. If Jesus himself prayed, how much more do we need to pray? If the perfect, faultless, sinless Son of God came down here and spent his time in prayer, how much more do we need to pray? You want to be a house of prayer? You want to be a church of prayer? It comes through prayer. <laughs> Amen? You want to heal the sick? Pray. There's no shortcut. There is no substitute for prayer. There's no substitute for it. You can't go tag your it, Michael, you pray. Really hope Dimple's prayer life is where it needs to be. 
you got to look at your own heart. You got to look at your own life. And you got to look at your own prayers and say, where's my prayer life at? There's no excuse. You can't make excuses. I can't make excuses. We have 10,000 distractions. At some point, you got to cut the distractions off and you still got to go pray. You got to push past the feelings. I don't feel like praying. Pray anyway. That's when you need to pray more than any time. We have to be a people of prayer. A couple weeks ago, it feels like a month ago. It might have been a month ago at this point because I've tried to preach this message 10,000 times and I've got in, in other ways. I preached a message on the first part of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus told the disciples not how to preach. He didn't tell them how to heal the sick. He didn't tell them how to do miracles. The one thing he told them was how to pray. And when he told them how to pray, he said, this is how you should pray. And he gave the Lord's Prayer. And we say the Lord's Prayer up until we're about eight, and then we don't ever say it again, and we think it's a kid's prayer. Nothing in the Bible says that's a kid's prayer. That is one of the most holy prayers that you can pray because Jesus himself taught it to us. It's in two of the Gospels. One time Jesus says, when you pray, you should pray this prayer. I have been waking up every day, and I've been saying the Lord's Prayer. He said, pray it. I've been waking up and going, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In another gospel, he said, pray like this. So you can say that it's a prayer that we should pray, but it's also a model on how to pray. Some people say, I just don't know what to pray. I pray for three minutes and then I'm done. You want to know how to pray? Pray the Lord's Prayer. I've been praying the Lord's Prayer. Sometimes I've been praying and I haven't even made it through the first three sections of it because I get so wrapped up. When I get to hallowed be thy name, I just, I just stay right there. I just camp out for a little while. I can spend an hour just talking about how holy the name of Jesus is and just magnifying him for how, how set apart his name really is. It starts with our Father. So we got to start our prayers with the right heart posture. You've got to view him as a father. The Bible says that no father, if you ask him for a loaf of bread, is going to give you a snake. We have such wrong views of our father a lot of times. And when we pray, we come to him sometimes half-heartedly, not in faith believing, because we don't really trust him to be the good, good father he says he is. It's just true, you don't have to amen me. It's his good pleasure to give us the desires of our hearts. That's what his word says. It's his good pleasure. He views us as a father. So when I come in the place of prayer, the first thing that I do is our father. I say Abba. It means daddy. I worship him. I recognize him as my father. We have such a skewed view of the Lord. We think that he's up in heaven. He's crossing his arms and he's, he's just, I'm waiting. I'm waiting on them to sin. I'm waiting on them to mess up. I'm going to punish them. I'm going to punish them. I'm mad at them. No, 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 no. God can be a God of judgment, but he is also, make no mistake about it, a God of love. I have never seen a parent want to discipline their child. Come on, that was good right there. I've never seen a true, legitimate parent want to discipline their child. That's why a lot of them don't, and they help the school system's a mess. Side tangent. 
parents usually don't want to, but they do so out of great love for their kids. He loves you this morning. He's a father to you. He's a father to me. And when I come to him in prayer, I come to him believing that he is my father and that he delights over me and that he loves me. And it is his good pleasure to meet the desires of my heart. That builds my faith. It's so much easier to go to a father in prayer. You should look at the way Emma and Noah treat our house. Justin reminds them all the time it's his house. But they know that because it's his house and he's a good father, that they have access to anything. Noah climbs up on the cabinets, brings down the Pringles. He knows he has access to everything in that house because Justin is a good father. We should be the same way. We have access to all of it. We have access to all of it because we have a good, good father. I'm going to move on. The Bible says, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. That word hallowed means to reverence, to recognize. The difference between Christianity and all the other religions is that everybody else prays to a dead God. Ours is leaving it on the right hand of the father. Amen? He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's listening to you. He's listening to you and he's responding and he's moving to you. We can worship him and reverence his name. At the name of Jesus, the Bible says, everything has to bow. So you can come to the Lord in prayer and you can have confidence knowing that in his name there is power. The word says that at his name demons have to flee. So all you have to do, if you don't know what else to pray, you want to know how you can pray? Jesus, 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 Jesus. You say that name four or five times, something starts moving on the inside of you. Something starts coming alive on the inside of you. And then those words you didn't have you now have because you know there's power in his name. There's power in the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, everything has to bow. That means if I can put a name on something, it has to bow to the name. Cancer has to bow to the name. Depression has to bow to the name. Broken marriages has to bow to the name. Opioid addiction has to bow to the name. We can have confidence when we pray because we know that the name of Jesus can move mountains. That should be our heart in prayer. Hallowed be thy name. In the Old Testament, there's 27 names of the Lord. I wrote them all down. And oh my gosh, I just, I, every time I pray the prayer, I focus on one. When I get to hallowed be thy name, and the one that I've been focused on right now is El Roy, which means he is the God who sees me. He's the God who sees me. It came from Hagar who felt very alone. She felt mistreated. She felt abandoned. But she looked to the Lord and she said, you are El Roy. You are the God who sees me. I may be broken right now. I may be hurting right now. But you see me. That's powerful. That's powerful. That's part of who he is. You may feel like God has abandoned you. You may feel like God doesn't see you. You may feel like all hope is gone. You may feel so broken, but I can promise you, hallowed be thy name. He is El Roy. He is the God who sees you and you and you and you and you and you and you. He sees everybody. He sees your broken heart. 
He sees your hurt. He sees your frustration. He sees your strength. He sees your joy. He sees your triumphs. He sees it all. There's nothing you can hide from God. David said, I can go to hell and make my bed there, and still he is there with me. He sees it all. Jehovah Jireh. He is the provider. You ever been down to your last dollar? I have. I've been down to my last six cents. <laughs> when you're a teacher, that's what happens, right? I've been down to it before. He's the God who provides for us. When you look, he is Jehovah Nisi. He is our victory. He's our victory. You don't have to be in defeat. You can come to him in prayer and you can go, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You are Jehovah Nisi. You are the God of victory. I may not feel like I have victory right now, but your name is victory. So I can speak your name and I have victory. Amen? Hallowed be thy name. There's so many different sides to the Lord. There's so many different names that he has. There's power in a name. There's power in a name. The Bible tells us that we should be a people of prayer. And listen, I can't, I can't even, I can't beg you enough. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm in begging mode right now, all right? You need to pray. And I'm not talking about laying down at night when you're exhausted and you're tired and you go, oh, Jesus, I just thank you so much. <sighs> We're all guilty. We've all done it. More times than we can count. And the next day, we get up again, and we go through our emotions, and we say, I'm going to put time for prayer. I'm going to pray at 7 o'clock. I'm going to pray at 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock comes, someone calls you on the phone. Oh, my gosh, I'm going to pray at 8 o'clock. Then 8 o'clock comes, and the kids do something crazy. I'm going to pray at 9 o'clock. And then 9 o'clock comes, and you're like a zombie, and you're like, oh, my God, I just need to go to sleep. But you still lay down, and you, God, I'm going to pray right now. I just lift your name up. You're just so wonderful. <coughs> Out again. Come on. The enemy will try every way he can to get you not to pray. I am telling you, every day you need to set some time aside. The Bible says go shut the door behind you, and you need to pray. Don't rely on anybody else's prayers. Can you imagine the place of power this church would be if every one of us prayed for an hour a day? Half an hour a day. Can you imagine the power that would be in this place? You may say, well, I'm a worshiper. Well, good news, I am too. I love to worship. It's so easy. It is easy to worship the Lord. It is hard to pray. You may say, well, I'm a preacher. Good news, I am too. It's easier to preach than it is to pray a lot of times. You may say, well, I am filling the blank with whatever role you have. Nowhere in the Bible does God say to the apostles, you go be apostles and everybody else will pray. No, 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 no. He says, you're all, you're all supposed to shut the door and go and pray. We have this problem in the church where we identify everyone. She's a worshiper. She's an intercessor. We're all called to be intercessors. We're all called to pray. We're all called to go in and shut the door. When Jesus ascended, in Acts, there were 500 people that were standing there. 500 people watched him go up in the sky. He looked at them and he said, you go and you wait and you pray because the helper's coming. When the helper came, 
There was only 120. Why? Because not everybody wants to pray. Imagine the 380-some that missed out on the greatest move of God because they didn't want to stay for the prayer meeting. I'm preaching this morning. (laughs) Imagine it. Ask yourself, would you be part of the 120 that waited and prayed? Or would you be part of the 380 that gave up? Where would you be? Where would I be? I'm asking myself that. Where would I be? Would I be pushing? Would I be persevering? Would I be staying in that place of prayer? Listen to this. We all want to be that church of power. We all want to be those believers of power. Acts 1. All these were one accord devoting themselves to prayer. Acts 1, 24. And they prayed. Acts 2, 42. And they devoted themselves to teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Acts 3. Now John and Peter were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer. Acts 4. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Acts 6. But we will devote ourselves to prayer. Acts 6. 6. And they sat before the apostles, and they prayed. 31 times. I could keep going all day. I just got tired and just gave up at 6. 31 times just in the book of Acts, you see them praying. Everybody wants a church like the book of Acts. Then we got to pray. Then we've got to pray. We've got to pray. We see the disciples praying privately. We see them praying publicly in the book of Acts. We see them attending prayer meetings. We see them praying for new believers. We see new believers getting saved and then going out and praying. We see them baptizing and praying. We see them praying in the hardest of moments when they thought Peter was going to die and be executed. We see them praying in the spirit. We see them praying in normal language. We see them laying hands on believers. But one thing about it, the entire book of Acts is about prayer. You can read about it, you can teach about it, but at some point you got to get up and act on it and pray. Amen? The word says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In the Hebrew, it's different. In the Hebrew, it says, come, kingdom of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. When we pray. We should be calling things out of the heavens onto earth. The Bible says that it should be on earth as it is in heaven. You don't have to wrestle with what's God's will. Is there a situation that doesn't have peace? That's not his will. Come on. We wrestle. Have you ever met those people before? Uh, maybe you are one of those people. I don't know. I'm sorry if you are. But, but maybe you're, you, you've met those people before, and they've got to pray about everything. You give them the menu at Giovanni's, and they're like, let me pray. No. Like, you don't got to ask the Lord. It's all carbs. You don't got to ask whether you want the, the stromboli or whether you want the calzone or whether you want the pizza. It's all the same. You, like, some people got to pray about everything, right? And then there's people that are, that are like, I'm just going through a really hard time. I'm just so depressed. And you're like, all right, all right. And they're like, well, 
let me pray and see what the will of the Lord is. I can tell you what the will of the Lord is. Peace. Amen? You don't got to ask God. There's some things that's already so clear in his word that you don't have to sit and wrestle with it and say, well, God, if it's your will. That's a cop-out we use in prayer, if it's your will. We should know his will. His will is to give peace that passes all understanding. His will is that you are an overcomer. His will is that you have received victory through his blood. He's already paid for it. He's tired of seeing us wrestle for something that he already purchased. He purchased it. We should walk with authority and call things out of the heavens and say, here on earth as it is in heaven. Here on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God. We should pray the kingdom of God over the town of Gilbert. Justin and I were talking last night. Look at how much this town has been flourishing lately. All the new businesses. All the new opportunities. And people talk about this place for the trails. People talk about this place for the restaurants. People talk about this place for the businesses. I want people to talk about this place for the Holy Ghost. Amen? I want people to talk about our schools. They talk about our schools right now for our AP programs. They talk about our schools for, for the CTE programs. I want them to talk about our school because the Holy Ghost is in our school. We should be praying the kingdom of God. I should walk through the halls and I should say, God, everywhere I go is my territory. Everywhere I go, the Holy Ghost is going with me. I want to release healing in this place today. I want to release breakthrough in this place today. I'm going to release salvation in this place today. You should also do that. You should walk in your business. You should walk in your place of employment. You should walk in the place that you go to give your business to. And you should say, I have the power of the Holy Ghost and I am here on assignment and on mission by God and and I'm going to release from heaven here on earth as it is in heaven. Everywhere I go. Everywhere I go. We can't be weak. We can't be weak believers. That's what the enemy wants. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You need to pray the kingdom over yourself. You can't, you can't wait on anybody else to pray for you. Can you imagine? Some people go Sunday to Sunday. Well, I'll just let people pray for me on Sunday. You need prayer right now. You pray for yourself. You can always Facebook message me. I'll pray for you right there. I have FaceTime people. Chelsea and I were laughing about it last night. I was in Washington, D.C., and a kid needed prayer. So they FaceTimed me in the commons area. And I, did, I wasn't awkward like she said. Was that awkward? And I said, no. I was, right, I was in my hotel room in Washington, D.C., and they were in the commons area, and I was going, God, right now I just pray that you would just set them on fire. I just pray that you would release breakthrough into the atmosphere right now. And, and she, she was just sitting in the commons area. She just had her hands up. She was just receiving it right there. Listen, you can't go Sunday to Sunday for prayer. You need to be praying the kingdom daily over your life. We offer so many reactionary prayers when we should be on the offensive. Don't wait for something bad to happen to pray. Cover your family. Cover yourself. Cover your church. We should pray, God, in this church as it is in heaven. In this church as it is in heaven. In my family as it is in heaven. We should cover our areas in prayer. The word goes on, it says, give us this day our daily bread. I love that. 
I love that because it shows me that he cares about my needs. He cares about me. He sees me. Elroy, he's the God that sees. He sees me, and he knows my needs, and he wants to meet them. Give us this day, day to day to day. He is not a God that is distant. He is not a God that is removed. He is not a God that is far away from us. He is a God who passionately loves us, a God who burns after us, according to the book of Revelation. His eyes are eyes of fire, and they burn after you. They burn after me, and he wants to meet our needs. He wants to meet our needs day by day by day. But a lot of times when we pray, it's just Christian culture. We've been taught that we should pray for everybody but ourselves. That's just not true. I would say you got to pray for yourself before you can pray for anybody else. I would say you, you have to. Give us this day our daily bread. Give me, give me what I need. I'm trusting you, God. I say this all the time. God goes before us. Have you ever been in a situation before and he blessed you with something and you didn't know why he blessed you until a month down the road and then you looked back and you said, oh, now I get it. He goes before us. He sees us. He sees our needs, and he wants us to trust him. He wants us to trust our heart, our family, our lives to him, and let him meet our needs. I said this verse earlier, Luke 6, give and it shall be given. I will tell you this, when you ask the Lord to meet your needs, you know what he does? He says, okay, I will, now go meet Avedine's needs. Go meet Dimple's needs. Go meet Morgan's needs. Give and it shall be given. Amen? How many times have you, have you sat there and went, I just wish someone would call me. I just wish someone would love me. I just wish someone would care. Well, you get up and call someone. You get up and care. I just wish someone would pray for me. You pray for someone else. Given it shall be given. We all have needs, right? And I have found that the way that the Lord moves on our needs is we confess them to him, we pray, and then he gives us an opportunity to give to someone else. And if we give to someone else, then he gives it right back to us. You reap what you sow. Some people reaping all kinds of bad stuff, and they wonder why. Well, because you sowed it, baby. But the Lord is merciful, hallelujah. Right? I've said that before. I've said, well, you're just reaping from what you've sown. But his mercy is new every morning. You don't like what you're reaping? Go sow something different. Go sow something different. Give and it shall be given. Justin, I was talking about the financial, and I don't say this to boast. I'm just, I'm just giving it like as a testimony. We were talking about how the Lord has blessed us so much financially over the past year, and I looked back, though, and I said, but you can see so clearly, yes, we've received more than we've ever received, but we also gave more than we've ever given. Give, and it shall be given. We've got to pray about 
our needs and trust. Trust God. Trust God. Have you ever been in a place of prayer and felt defeated because you're praying for what you need? And then you, there's doubt in your heart. The Bible says, no, 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 no. You should come in faith, believing. If he gave the Israelites manna every day, he gives you your manna every day too. And if you don't have it, if you feel like you don't have it, it may be because you really don't need it right then, right there. He's a good father. He's a good, 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 good father. And he wants to meet our needs. The word goes on and it says, forgive us. This is part of, this is how we should pray. This is what the Bible says. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against them. Matthew 18. We know this scripture. We don't like this one. You know how they say that there's parts of the Bible everybody wants to take out? I guarantee this is one that almost everybody wants to take out. Matthew 18. Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Can you imagine? Oh, poor little Peter. That's us, right? How many times do I have to forgive God? Seven? Seven sounds good because I know my brother's going to sin eight at least. Right? Come on. Y'all know it's true. Seven sounds like a good number because I can cut them off, right? I can see Peter just knowing. Peter was so smart. I love Peter. How many times, Lord? Seven. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Because God knew that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, and they were going to see him 76 times, right? Sometimes we sin against people and don't even mean to. Sometimes people really do mean, mean to. Sometimes people can be cruel. But the word says, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. For me, this is one of the hardest parts of the prayer to pray. Because here, you've got to go before the Lord and you've got to say, first of all, forgive me, right? You've got to examine your own heart. The Bible says all have sinned. And fall short of the glory of God. We fall daily in a lot of ways. And a lot of times. And it's really easy to ignore all of that. But the word says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just. Amen? So you, you've got to come to a place where you go, God, I'm struggling with this. This is sin in my life. I have found that the times that I am more faithful to confess my sin is the time that he makes me more holy. Right? You can hide it. You can ignore it if you want to, but that sin is still there, and you still have to deal with it. Sometimes we are guilty of believing that because we're saved, we just skip the confession part altogether. Well, God knows my heart. He does know your heart, but that sin's in your heart too, and you've got to confess it and get rid of it. God wants to purify us and make us more like him day by day by day by day by day. And that sin is there to try to separate us. To try to condemn us. Confess it. Forgive me, God. Forgive me. But also, I have to forgive others. Because you can't forgive me. That's what the word says. You can't forgive me until I can forgive my brother and sister. The word says that if you have something against your brother or sister, before you even come pray, you should go make it right. And I've learned... That the number one person, a lot of times, that we have something against 
that we have anger or bitterness toward before we pray, it's usually God. I got heavy pretty quick. It's usually God. God disappointed us. God didn't move the way he, we thought he should. He didn't move as quickly as we thought he should. He didn't save us from that heartache. He didn't save us from that burden. We encountered this brokenness. And, and God, if you loved me, you should have been there. We don't say that to people because we don't want anybody to judge us. But a lot of times if we're really honest, we hold things. We hold things against him. I've had to do it. I've had to say, God, I'm stupid. Forgive me. I've been angry at you. When my three family members died in the house fire, I was so angry. I was so bitter. And I said, why? Why? 17 years old. Why? Why does everybody else get to live this life and an angel doesn't even get to have a kid? Why, God? Why? And I was angry. And I came to church, and I went through the motions, and I did the right things, but I was mad because I felt like God was unfair when I didn't really dig into the Scripture and see and see the truth of it, that it is the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And I had to say, God, I do not believe for a second that was your will. You are a good, good father. I don't believe for a second that was your will. And I know that you are above all things. Isaiah 55 says, his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And I have to trust him at some point. And I have to forgive him. I have to say, God, I'm, I'm just, I'm putting it to the side. God, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm going to, to take this hurt that I have toward you and I'm going to lay it at the altar. Because it's, it's going to eat this hurt that I have towards someone else, I'm going to lay it at the altar. The word says that offense, that word offense, it comes from, from the word bait. The enemy wants to bait you. He wants to bait you into being offended at God, into being offended at your brother, your sister, your wife, your husband, your, your kids. He wants to bait you into an offense because if he can get you angry, if he can get you bitter, then he can get your life trapped. And you can't worship anymore effectively. You can't pray anymore. You can't live effectively because you're trapped. Forgiveness is not for the person. Forgiveness is for you. I don't have to forgive and be BFF. Right? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Whew. I had somebody that hurt me so badly, they, they just ripped my heart out. And they watched it. They enjoyed it. I know they did. They took pleasure in my hurt, which makes it even worse. We've all been there. Everybody's been there before, right? And it took me probably 11 months before I could truly say, I forgive you. And then when I did, that person was like, hey, you want to go out and eat? No, I don't. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
No, I don't. I don't want to go out and eat with you. I want to text you. I want to share what's going on in my life right now. But I want to forgive you, and I don't want to be bitter towards you because what my calling is in God is greater than that offense that I'm going to have in my heart toward you. Right? I feel that. Whoo! What God wants me to do, the calling and the anointing that is on my life is greater than that offense and that trap over there. And you do have to choose. I have to choose. You can be angry and you can be bitter and you can be trapped and you can wallow in it. And listen, it's not fair and it's not right. Your daddy walked out on you. That's not fair. That's not right. I understand why you are angry. But at some point, baby, you got to say, I forgive you. Jesus, you're greater than that hurt. You are my father. Amen? So-and-so cheated on me. I'm hurt. I'm broken. You have every right to feel betrayed. You have every right to be upset. But at some point, you've got to forgive and you've got to say, Jesus, you are the one that will stick closer to me than a brother. You will not betray me. You will not walk away from me. We have to come to a place where we can forgive Truly, truly forgive and trust him with our heart. I'm not telling you to get in a toxic relationship. Get out of them. Stay out of them. People say all the time, well, the Lord wants me to forgive. He does want you to forgive, but he doesn't want you to be abused either. You don't have to be abused. There is a difference. There is a difference. You forgive doesn't mean you have to keep putting yourself in that spot to keep forgiving and keep forgiving and keep forgiving and keep forgiving and keep forgiving. forgiving. You forgive, and then you walk in your calling toward Jesus because it's greater. It's better. The word says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There is an enemy, and he is trying to steal, kill and destroy. And everybody in here has temptations. I don't know what to pray. Honey, you can pray over temptations and be stuck in a prayer closet for an hour. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. I don't know. <laughs> I feel like you can pray over the temptations in your life and you can you can just you can just camp out right there for a little while. We all have different temptations. Right? And we are guilty as, as church folk, we are guilty of making some temptations greater than others, right? Oh, man, alcohol and drugs, man, it's at that top, right? And we, we you know, you're, I'm right, that's why you're laughing. And we, a lot of times what we do is we make ourselves feel better because we go, well, I'm not on drugs. Well, hallelujah, you still gossip. I told you I didn't care what I was saying anymore. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sorry. I was getting ready to say I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. <laughs> Come on. Sin is sin, and it will separate you from the presence of Jesus. And your temptation might be different than my temptation. I have never been tempted by drugs. I have never been tempted by alcohol. That's just not been my thing. But have I been tempted to sin? You can guarantee it all the time, every day, right? We all have different temptations. Everybody in here, and just because your temptation is different than mine doesn't mean that I get to sit on my little white horse and go, well, at least I'm not dealing with that. 
No, 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 no. You need to dig in your own heart because you're still dealing with some stuff. And the enemy knows your temptations, and he knows dimples, he knows Chelsea's, he knows PJ's, he knows Naomi's, and he will come at you with what tempts you. Even Jesus was tempted. Satan tempted him. Even Jesus himself was tempted. The enemy knows where you are weak. Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. Right? I believe Jesus would look at a lot of us and say that. Katie, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, meaning he's going to come, he's going to tempt you. But Jesus said this, and this is where I've been camping out, and this has been like my revelation maybe of the year. Jesus looked at him and he said, but I am praying for you. Right? Satan may be there. He may be on your doorstep. But I am praying for you. Do you know the word says in Romans 8.34, who is anyone to condemn you? Who is to condemn you? Jesus was raised from the dead and is sitting at the right hand of the Father and lives to make intercession for us. I have read that scripture 10,000 times. I have, I have preached that scripture before. But it changed my perspective when I saw Jesus. He's not just in heaven going, worship me. Worship me, everyone. He's not just in heaven looking down at the earth. He is in heaven praying for you. He is in heaven praying for me. He is the great intercessor. And when I pray, I am just coming in agreement with the prayer. He is in heaven praying over me. That's awesome. He died on the cross, but he didn't stop there. He went up to heaven to pray for you. The word says that he is our advocate. He stands before the Father, and he says, I see that weakness that she's going through. I am praying for her right now. He prays for billions, but he prays for you by name. That's awesome. The word says where two or three agree on anything, it shall be done. That tells me if it's 3 o'clock in the morning, I don't have to wake anybody up. Jesus is already my intercessor. He's already praying for me. I just got to come in agreement with him and his word, and then it is done. It's done. It's done. He lives. Even now, Jesus has the greatest prayer life. He is praying for you. He is praying for me. And we've just got to join in that. Pastor Jay Morgan, I'm almost done. Pastor Jay Morgan came to this church. I am not close with him. Um, and he came to me and he said, um, he came during when Rich Sparks was here. He came to me and he said, have you ever wondered why you? They were going to shut the doors on this church. He said, I'd heard all about it. He said, I, I knew. He said, I thought this church was done. It was, it was gone. He said, but have you ever wondered why you? Why are you the one? And I just looked at him. And he said, don't tell me because they voted for you. And I said, well, do you know why I'm the one? And he said, I know exactly why you're the one. He said, I had a vision and I saw you. You went in your bedroom and you closed your door when you were a teenager and you prayed. 
and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed. He said, I could see it. There was an intense time in your life where it was marked by radical devotion. And right now, Katie, you are reaping from all the prayers you prayed at 18, 19, 20, 21. You thought God maybe didn't hear it. You thought that maybe it was delayed. But right here you are, right now. And it's because of that time in your life when you shut the door and you prayed. He said, and I have a word for your church. He said, your church, this church is going to prosper. He said, you are not going to have to fight for victory. You are fighting from victory, and it is because the people have prayed. He said, I saw it just like in Revelation. There's a bowl of prayer and incense, and there's been so many prayers that have been prayed from this church. He said, when I walked in, I could see tear stains on the carpet. You might not see it in the natural, but I saw it in the spirit. I saw the tear stains on the carpet, and I could feel this was a house of prayer. And the reason the doors didn't shut and the reason you're still here and the reason everybody else is still here is because this has been and it will be a house of prayer. Amen. Think about all those prayers that you have prayed. If they haven't came yet, good news, they're coming. Ask, seek, Knock. Jesus came to Mary and Martha. Lazarus was dead. And I love what Martha said to, to, to Jesus. She said, even if, right? She had faith. She knew. She knew what he was capable of. There was a cry on the inside of her heart. And she knew that even now, even now, four days later, here was Jesus. And when Jesus shows up, it doesn't matter if it's been four days, five days, ten days. When Jesus shows up, he can change everything. We have got to be a people of prayer. We have got to be a house of prayer. Who wants to see people get saved? I want to see this whole community turned upside down for Jesus. I want to see people that are addicted to opioids come and lay their needles down right up here at the altar. I want to see people that have been just so wrapped up and they are alone and they are broken and they are being and come here and find a place to belong and find a family to belong to. I want to see teenagers who do not have a mother or father come here and find spiritual mothers and fathers and find a calling and find an identity and believe that they are somebody in Jesus. I want to see people be raised from death into life, spiritually speaking. I want to see it literally too, but I want to see it happen in the spiritual realm as well. Not a coincidence, we're right beside hoppies, everyone. I want to see it. You want to know how it happens? Prayer. 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 You want to pray? Pray the Lord's Prayer. Write it down. Go through it as an outline. Google 27 names of the Lord. I'll, post, I'll do it better. I'll post it on the Facebook page. You don't even got to go look for it. I've got you. I will post it right there. You can go through every week and choose another one. I've been on Jehovah Nisi. He's my victory right now this week. 
Every day I get up and I say, hallowed be thy name. You are Jehovah Nisi. You are my victory. I thank you, Jesus, for all the victory you gave me back here. I thank you for the victory when I was 16. I thank you for the victory that you gave me whenever I was 21. I thank you for the victory that you gave me in the past year. I thank you, God, that you are my victory. And when I start seeing him that way, it builds my faith. It builds my faith. I don't want us to be a people that are weak. I don't want us to be a people that are weak in prayer. Dylan, pull something up on the on the prayer playlist back there. Justin's teaching the Sunday school kids in the back. Listen, there's things we need in this church. We need some instruments. Pray. We need more parking. Pray. We need people to come through the doors. Pray and then go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus and minister to people. Right? Prayer. You know what prayer will do? It will cause you to go act. It will cause you to go out and act. What do you need in your life? I'm telling you, the answer is through prayer. And I just feel this urge from the Holy Spirit. I just feel it, I felt it, I felt it, I felt it for since the, since the end of 2018 that he is demanding that we be a house of prayer. We will be here tomorrow at 6 o'clock praying. We did that for three weeks, and then I didn't do it last week, and then everybody said, well, just because we did 21 days of prayer and it's over doesn't mean we can't keep praying. All right, yeah, let's go, let's keep praying. You can't make it here tomorrow at 6, pray at your house. Pray at your house. But I'm telling you, pray. I'm going to end with this. When I first started praying, when I first started coming to the Lord, I was clumsy. Right? When I prayed. You ever felt like that? You don't really know what to say. And so a lot of times you'll copy somebody else's prayer language. Right? Like, oh, Father God, thou art wonderful. We magnify thy name. Right? Thou art and you copy somebody else's. You might copy, if you copy mine, you're going to be pacing like a mad woman. You're going to get exercising at least. And you're going to be, Jesus, you're beautiful. <laughs> Michael, you remember the days over at the firehouse when all I did was pace and go, Jesus, Jesus. They called me the wailer. I just wailed. It could be an hour and a half. Naomi remembers those days. Daily made so much fun of me. It'd be an hour. We could be in, in service for an hour and a half, and I'd start crying out Jesus, and an hour and a half later, I'd still be crying out Jesus. That's all I did. Some one of them told me one time said, "You can say Jesus ten thousand times if you want, but can you like lower the volume a little bit? <laughs> You're distracting us." <laughs> we can be clumsy. Sometimes with our language, we feel like. I remember the first time Justin told me he loved me. I was, uh, we went to a youth service, and I had like four teenagers in my car. I was carting teenagers all around even then, even when I was a teenager. And uh, we went to a youth service, and we were at, there was a subway at that point. Uh, at, they just took it out. But there was subway, and we were at, uh, and Taco Bell. He got Taco Bell. I got subway. And um, at my door, he came up, and he said, I love you. And I said, I love you. And I got in the car, and about 15 minutes later, maybe eight, depending on how fast I was going. I was probably going pretty fast. Um, I slammed the brakes halfway up Horse Pin Mountain, and I just stopped the car dead in the road. And I went, Joe. 
did I just say, did I just say, he said, what, what did you just say? Did I just say, I love you? And he said, yeah, he did too. And I said, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that's, did we say anything else? And he said, I don't know, like, he said, I love you, you said, I love you. Like, I don't, I don't know what you said. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm an idiot. Oh, my God, what did I say? How did I say? I couldn't even remember. I was so tore up. I was so frustrated. Like, and I got home, and I called him, and I was like, did you tell me you love me? And he said, yeah. I said, that's the first time you've said that. And he was like, yeah, I didn't know if you'd say it back, but you did. And I was like, what else did I say? Like, what else? And I was so, like, in that time, that puppy love phase, right? Like, I would, I would plan it out before I would call him. I'd plan out, what am I going to say? I don't want to be an idiot, right? I don't want to say something stupid. And he did too. He acts all big and bad. He did, y'all should see the letters he wrote. Oh, man. He, he planned it all out too. And you did too. Once upon a time, you were sitting there and you were in love and you were like, okay, I'm going to say this, 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 right? But whenever he told me he loved me, it came out so easy and so natural because it was already in my heart. I didn't have to plan that out. Praying to God is the same way. It's not about the words you say. You are not impressing God. He created, and we'll say it right this time, the thesaurus. There we go. I stuttered on it a couple of weeks ago if you weren't here. Bad. You can't say enough big words to impress God. He doesn't need your big words. He doesn't need it to be perfect. He doesn't need it to be all right and in a row and neat and tidy. He just needs your heart. If you have the right heart, you've got the right words. If you've got the right heart, you've got the right words. How am I going to sound? You don't have to worry about how you sound. If you've got the right heart, you've got the right words. I'm going to say that a couple more times. If you've got the right heart, you've got the right words. You don't have to worry about how you sound. You may go to God and you may think that you sound so clumsy. Oh, I wish I could pray like Katie. You want to pray like Katie? Then you shut the door and you set a timer for four hours because that's what I did. I set a timer for four hours and I prayed. And I didn't sing the worship songs. That's the easy way out, right? I prayed. I paced my bedroom floor and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. Night after night after night. I'd go to the church. I had a key. My pastor said, whenever I was in Logan, he said, you're the only teenager I've ever had asking me for a key to pray. He, he came to the church one time at 5 a.m. to pray before he went to work, and I was there. I'd been there from 11 to 5, and I was praying. I was praying. You want to pray a certain way? Pray. Start somewhere. I'm going to say it one more time. You don't have to worry about the words if you've got the right heart. You don't have to plan it out. You don't have to be embarrassed. You go to God confident. He's your father. He wants to hear from you. He wants to hear from you. Stand up this morning.